We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A special weekend version of the podcast uh, coming up, and my guest will be former Washington football coach Jay Gruden. We'll do about an hour plus with Jay. Uh, today's podcast sponsored by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. They'll match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. They've got great college basketball, NBA, NHL uh, games going on. Lots of props, lots of in-game opportunities, contests. They've got a live casino at MyBookie. Uh, it's a place you can trust. Fair lines, fair money lines, fair pricing. You get paid if you win. MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. AG. Use my promo code Kevin DC. They'll match your deposit halfway up to a thousand dollars. You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're gonna get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Redskins trailing the Buccaneers by six. Redskins have never come back to win after trailing by more than twenty-one. Redskins now face third and goal from the Tampa Bay six. Four receivers split to the left, the tight end Reed to the right. Cousins on third down, looking for Reed. He's got it! Touchdown! And that was the end of the famous Jay Gruden Code Red game. Uh, that game was must win for the team, and after falling behind 24 0 to Tampa Bay at home, in October of 2015, the team roared back, won the game 31-30, to and eventually won the division and made the playoffs that year. Jay Gruden is my guest today on the podcast, and we'll get Jay to all the pleasantries of how you're doing and what you're doing and where your handicap is at this point. But what do you remember about that game? I remember it was a must-win for us, without a doubt. It's Code Red kind of got blown out a little bit, but for me, I think it was a must-win. I think I was about to get canned if we didn't win that game. They just hired Scott McLuhan. We, we just hired Scott McLuhan, I think, to come in and do the dirty work, but uh, fortunately, we ended up winning that game and turning our season around. Uh, Kirk ended up playing great and got us to the playoffs, and unfortunately, we lost in the first round. Do you really think that, I mean, you would have fallen to 2-5, and five, and if I remember correctly, the next week was a bye week followed by the Patriots. Did you think you would lose your job? That was year two. Would you have lost your job if you had lost that game? I, yeah, I had some friends in the media that uh, heard that through the front office. Some of the, you know, there were some leaks in that front office somewhere, and they had leaked it out that I was going to possibly lose my job if we had lost that game because we did have a bye week after that. So I was prepared one way or the other. But uh, 
we came up and won that game and ended up uh, finishing really strong. Yeah, you really did. And, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because if Kirk doesn't play well in that game and bring you back, I wonder if he ever gets another opportunity again. I mean, I'm sure, you know, Kyle or, or someone would have given him a chance, but he may have been benched and not gotten an opportunity for the next couple of years as well. Do you think, do you think that's possible if you don't come back and win that game? It could have been possible, but uh, Kirk was a good player, and I think you know with the, the emergence of Kyle and the way he was doing in Atlanta and, and getting obviously a, a head job. I think you're right. I think uh, uh, he thought high enough of them, he would have brought them somewhere. And there's some other people that came and went on that staff that went other places that uh, know the talent that Kirk had and would have given them an opportunity. All right. Well, there's more to to, to do on Kirk, and I'll get there uh, in a moment. But how are you doing? I mean, you you. You had a team this year that actually, you know, it was one in fifteen. But I watched enough of the games um, to know that there were a lot of close games and a lot of winnable games. You had a couple of really good players. I mean, that James Robinson sort of came out of nowhere. Um, how are you doing? What was this past year like? And what are you going to do next? Hey, I'm doing good down here in Jacksonville, enjoying the weather, working on the golf team right now. I'm, you know, I'm talking to a couple. Uh, outlets as far as maybe trying my hand at uh, in studio or maybe doing some colored uh, color games uh, as a color guy. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I know it takes a lot of work and it's easier on the couch to say, hey, I could do that than actually having to go interview and get the job. So it's a long way to go, but entertaining those options right there. Um, other than that, uh, not doing a whole lot, just trying to play some golf. But, uh, you know, this year was fun, you know, in Jacksonville. It was just because of the Zoom meetings and that stuff, you know, we we had a couple of outbreaks with the COVID, and so we were, uh, I don't know what you call it, code two or whatever it was, we were dangerous, so we had to meet via Zoom all the time, and the players just came into practice, and then they'd leave, and we had to meet during the Zoom again. It's kind of a pain in the neck. I'm more of a hands-on type coach, but uh, we did have some young, talented players, unfortunately, uh, with the lack of preparation as far as OTAs and, and really training camp and all that stuff was kind of, uh, top down a little bit. Uh, young players need to work, and, and uh, they got a chance to be pretty good, uh, pretty fast. You know, they get some draft picks and some free agents. They they got a good nucleus here. You know, I actually um, I think you'd be really good doing games because first of all, and we always felt this way. I think many of us in the media felt this way. Um, you were easy to talk to. You had a great sense of humor, a quick sense of humor. Um, and that translates. You know, I did hear you say on Ben Standing's podcast last week that you're not overly impressed with Tony Romo, and it's funny because I think he had one of the worst calls of a game that he's had in a long time in the Super Bowl, but is there somebody out there that you've listened to and watched, maybe a former coach or a broadcaster, that you look at and you think, you know what, I I can do that and I can be as good as he is? Uh, you know, obviously my brother did it for seven, eight years and I thought he did a pretty good job and I listened to most of his games or tried to anyway. Um, so that's a good guy to learn from. Um, I always liked, I always liked, uh, Troy Aikman. Actually, I think he does a pretty good job. You know, he's, he's, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't go over the top as far as trying to break down the game, but he's, I think, I think he does a pretty good job him and Joe Buck. So those two guys, I pretty much listen to a lot. Collinsworth, I think is okay. You know, they're, you know. I, I try not to listen to the games a lot just because they annoy me so bad, but uh, uh, I think uh, Collinsworth, Troy Aikman, my brother would probably be the three. Would you ever go back after a game and watch the broadcast of a game? The only time I'd do that is to uh, see what we had on tape as far as communication goes, like if they got any audibles, the defense could get any audibles or hand signals, but uh, never to listen to the announcers, no. 
Well, your brother was um, – he wasn't good. He was great at it. Uh, and obviously it's, it's a subjective thing. Um, I'm just curious because he just finished, you know, year three of being back in coaching. How often do you talk to him? Do you ever think he feels like, shit, it was a lot easier to, to, to be in a booth than, than trying to rebuild a franchise? Yeah, I'm sure he feels that way. Um, but he loves coaching. You know, he, he didn't really want to get out of it when he did get out of it. He's kind of forced out of it. But uh, I know he loves coaching. He loves Derek Carr. He loves the Raiders organization. Being in Vegas, I think he's going to really uh, enjoy that. But, uh, you know, there's some part of the announcing and stuff that I think he misses, but he does love coaching, that's for sure. All right, let's get to some of the stuff that uh, I'm interested in and I think a lot of the listeners in it are interested in. And that is, you know, about the time – you were here, and, and I want to go through some of it chronologically. When you took this job back in 2014, you know, the, the feeling I think a lot of us had at the time, given the Robert Griffin III um, situation and the owner, uh, you know, essentially all in on RG3, and so was the fan base, by the way, after his rookie year, he was sensational. But did you have to make Dan and or Bruce comfortable that you were the guy to get the most out of RG3? A little bit. I think, um, you know, the success we had at Cincinnati with Andy Dalton, I think, um, you know, I think opened some people's eyes and got me that opportunity, you know, um, to work with Robert. And I had some, obviously, uh, some work with Bruce in Tampa Bay. So Bruce knew me in Tampa and uh, obviously from my brother and all that stuff. So there was some common ground there. But yeah, you know, I I felt good about working with Robert and I thought he had some good ability and I was excited about the challenge to work with him. Um, how quickly before you realized it was going to be a much bigger challenge than you thought it would be? Yeah, pretty quick, really. Uh, probably uh, training camp when the Patriots came and we practiced against uh, the Patriots is kind of where it was quite evident we had a long, long way to go. I mean, a long way to go. So uh, that's probably where we realized that uh, we have to – issue some challenges at different positions what was it specifically about uh you know early on and and i remember being in richmond when the patriots were there what was it specifically that made you think "Uh uh-oh this is going to be a much bigger challenge to turn him into you know a capable nfl quarterback well when you watch him against tom brady watch tom brady just carve us up (laughs) period after period after period (laughs) right and then we can't complete a pass you know it was a little bit uh discouraging you know in a practice setting so um you know it was just tough all, all across the board you know from a team standpoint not just a quarterback standpoint we realized we had a long way to go but but uh you know from a quarterback standpoint i think robert was trying to transition a little bit too fast in his mind from a, a the running zone read type uh quarterback to i can be tom brady or aaron Rodgers in the blink of an eye uh, type quarterback and that is a process um that he was not quite ready for at that time you know, the game that I, I I would guess is one of your favorite games, even though it came in your first season, which was a losing season, was that Monday night game. You guys were a 10-point underdog at Dallas. Colt McCoy started the game, had a phenomenal game. You guys pulled off the upset in overtime, 20-17. to 17. And then the next week was the first week that Robert was back and able to play. How badly did you want to keep going with Colt McCoy at quarterback? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I really did want to go back to uh, stick with Colt. Um, however, in fairness to Robert, you know, I thought for this team's future, we had to figure out 
where we were with Robert and see if he could uh, come back and, and show us that he could be the quarterback that we hoped he would be. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, after that win, we would have loved to stuck with Colt. But uh, Robert, after what he did his rookie season, hadn't played very well, but we still needed to see more from Robert uh, in fairness to get um, a better evaluation of him moving forward. And you did get uh, an evaluation of him, and it didn't – it wasn't pretty the rest of the way. I remember that first game in Minnesota, he played okay. You guys nearly pulled it off, and then it got ugly, you know, against the Ram- against Tampa in particular at home. And towards the end of that year, Jay, I'll never forget this because I talked a lot about your comments in a story with Albert Breer, NFL.com, where you were incredibly critical – of Robert publicly in that story. It was really, it seemed as if to me and others that frustration had really come through there at the end of the year. How frustrating was it? Well, there was one instance where I was critical. I was trying to be my whole time there, never critical of the players at a, at a press conference or anything like that. I, I mentioned that that was my biggest mistake was being critical of Robert at that time. But right. After, uh, one of those games we were shut out, I think it was against Tampa Bay. Um, his press conference kind of rubbed the players the wrong way because he said that uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't perform well if the team doesn't perform well around him. And he was kind of throwing his teammates. I felt like he was throwing his teammates under the bus. Uh, so I just made it publicly clear that, hey, he needs to worry about himself and fix himself before he starts talking about his, what his teammates need to do. So it kind of got into a you know, mistranslation of uh, what I thought Robert said, and then I kind of went over the top because I was really in a ticked-off mood that week. Uh, so <laughs> so well, it, was, you... it, was, uh, it was a tough week. I learned a lot from that, and, you know, I you know, apologized many, many times and, uh, you know, put that one past me. You know what was interesting is early this year, Ron Rivera, when he benched Dwayne Haskins, was very critical publicly of Dwayne. He said, you know, I've got 52 other guys that are looking at me like, what are you doing here? Um, and that was pretty critical public, you know, a, a public criticism uh, of the quarterback as well. And, you know, I, I, what you just said, and, and I remember back then, and I remember this year, and I, I remember talking to Mike about some of the frustrations with Robert, and he said, you have the rest of the team. The rest of the team knows, and you can't fool them, and you, you have to make sure you're playing the best players. It, 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 that's true, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember when we actually made a move, uh, one of the players coming up and saying, thank you for, you know, making the move. Uh, so it, it was a tough deal all around. I, I think, uh, we all wanted Robert to succeed. Um, but based on his ability at that time and his ability to transfer from a, a running quarterback to a true drop back quarterback that he wanted to be was, uh, just a little bit too much to ask for. You know, he, he's still working towards that right now at Baltimore and, uh, you know, he's still never too late to learn something new. He's still working towards it. But, uh, at that time he wasn't quite ready to make that transition. They actually released him in Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next year, you know, 2015, it's late in the preseason. And this was a jaw dropping moment from you in a press conference when you dropped on everybody that Kirk wasn't just going to be the starter in an upcoming preseason game. He was going to be your starter for the whole season. You said for 2016 or, or for 2015, excuse me. Um, was it hard for you to make that decision? And how did the owner take it. Take us back to that decision and that moment and how it went down with Bruce, Dan, et cetera. 
Yeah, it actually went uh, fairly well. We I would have not been able to make that announcement without their support as well. And I think anybody who had been at practice or been at OTAs, minute meetings, all that could see that uh, it was evident that Kirk was the better player and gave us the best chance to win. And that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. The team sees it, uh, the coaches see it, and, and the ownership finally began to see it as well. So uh, we're all on the same page there. So it wasn't difficult at all. Kirk uh, was by far the better quarterback uh, in practice and, and uh, preseason. So it was an easy choice for us. And Dan was okay with it in that moment. He was. He was actually. All right. So everybody's on board uh, with Kirk Cousins uh, being the starter in 2015, uh, including the owner. Let's get to that season. We talked about the code red game, uh, but let's talk about that playoff game against Green Bay. We'll get to that right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. So, you know, we talked about the code red game. You guys come back, you end up winning the division. And you had this playoff game at home against Green Bay. And, you know, the final score, people will look back on it and say, oh, they got blown out. But I remember it differently, and I'm curious how you remember it. You guys had an 11 to nothing lead in that game, and it should have been bigger. Deshaun caught a pass, went out on the one-yard line when he could have easily scored. That led to a field goal. Hopkins missed an extra point on a touchdown. You guys dominated that first quarter. Should have been up 17 nothing. Do you ever think about the chance you had early in that game to maybe put yourself in a better position to win? 
Ah, we had so many chances. It was ridiculous. Right. I mean, Deshaun just stretches the ball out. Now we have first and goal at the one foot line. We can't get a yard, a half a yard. We have to kick a field goal. We did miss the extra point. And I can remember that Aaron Rodgers, we were crushing them. And the first first down they got was on his uh, – we were late to sub off the field. Yeah. We got a free first down, and they ended up scoring on it. I remember going crazy because we worked on that so much during practice. Do not sub if they don't sub. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's second and one and turns into third and 20. We're not going to nickel if they are in base and they don't sub. But you got to keep your base on the field. Sure enough, one of our fat asses run out on the field <laughs> slow and Aaron snaps it. They get a free first down. I, I, I just lost my mind. And then uh, they end up making a great comeback and we couldn't get anything going. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Early in the game, we could have ended it. Uh, we could have been up 21, at least 21 to nothing early. I think it was Ricky John Francois. I, I think it was, if my memory serves uh, me correctly. Be- it was it. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I just can't. I just remember losing my mind. I mean, it's it's something like that. It's hard to recover from because that's the one thing that we cannot do is substitute against Aaron Rodgers if they're not subbing. You know, because if they sub, the referee will wait for you to sub. But if they don't, I mean, I just it, it, ah. I just pulled. I bring up a great memory. I just pulled. I just pulled up the uh, the play by play. They went four and out punt, three and outs. It was safety second drive, punt third drive, and your uh, punt fourth drive. And then that drive, it's eleven to nothing, and it's third down and four. And it was the uh, it was the twelve men on the field, and that really sparked them. It, it, I remember it the same way. I think anybody that just thinks about that playoff game, they look at the final score of 35 to 18, but you guys actually had a chance early to create a real distance between um, yourselves uh, and the Packers, but whatever, it, it didn't work out. And so, you know, you get into that next, um, you know, that next off season and, you know, Scott McLuhan, has told me before that he was very much in favor, went to Dan and Bruce late in the 2015 season, that your playoff season, and said, we've got to be aggressive. We've got to get Cousins signed now while it's still relatively inexpensive to do it. You don't want to start that path of the franchise tag. You know, what do you remember about the opportunity after that year for the team to lock Kirk up on a long-term deal? Yeah, there was uh... – we thought we had a chance to do it, but I think it was unrealistic for Scott uh, to think that we could get him for cheap, you know, a res- reasonably uh, cheap deal. Uh, Kirk knew that he had played well and was a young quarterback and knew that uh, he had some uh, leverage and it was gaining leverage with every snap that he took. Uh, Scott thought he was more of a marginal type quarterback, above average type quarterback. We could get him for above average, average salary. Uh, Kirk kind of got wind of that, and that's kind of where the disconnect came. Not to mention Kirk always felt like he was second fiddle to Robert uh, and always had a little bit of a grudge in that regard, I think. Um, so uh, it was going to be a lot tougher to sign Kirk um, than what Scott led on to make it believe, I, I thought. What was your relationship in the moment with Kirk? So Scott thinks he can get him on the cheap. And, you know, it, it, I remember, you know, the, the the money at the time, if it had been a moderate offer or decently aggressive offer, it may have happened. Um, were you pushing for it? Of course, yes. I, I wanted Kirk. I, I just know that uh, in the NFL, it's hard to win without a quarterback. I mean, it, it really is hard to win without a quarterback or, or one that uh, you feel like can uh, get better and better and, and lead your team. So I did want to sign him, um, but unfortunately we didn't get it done, obviously. 
Um, that next year, Jay, the offense was rolling. I mean, you guys were top three to top five in almost every offensive category imaginable. Um, the defense was dreadful that year. Hopkins missed some big kicks, that kick in London that he missed. Um, you know, uh, did you uh, – I'm curious about that year and what you thought about that year. If you were good enough with just a slightly better defense to really make some hay and – did you ever give serious consideration to bringing in a guy with you know more defensive uh, coordinator experience, like a Wade Phillips, as an example? Uh, yeah, I, I know that uh, I did interview Wade, and that became public. It wasn't a very good interview, whatever. Uh, but really, when I first got the job um, with the Reds or the Washington Football Team, it's okay. Um, <laughs> the biggest need we had to address other than the quarterback and making sure Robert was a good player or not or figuring that out, was the defense. The defense was uh, really getting old. Um, it was slow and not very talented. Um, so I don't care who the defensive coordinator was going to come in. It didn't matter. We didn't, We weren't good enough personnel-wise, and that's why every draft pick, you know, we try to get Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, uh, Sweat. We're addressing the linebacker. We're trying to do the best we can at free agency to, to get players in here to help with the depth and the skill of our defense, you know, that's, we're desperate to get a corner. We had to sign Josh Norman, um, you know, so uh, safeties, you know, we ended, we had no safeties. So it was a brutal uh, defense from a personnel, from a depth standpoint. So um, we just had to live through it until we got better from uh, drafting and got better from free agency, quite frankly. Um, but you're right. We could have done a better job with the defense coordinator possibly, but I just thought it was more, about the players than the coaches at that time. We just had to get better. We just weren't good enough. Of the offenses that you've either coached as a head coach or as an OC, was that the best offensive team you've coached? I think so, yes. You know, and Jordan Reed's healthy. Right. It starts there. He's he's dynamic in the in, in, inside, you know, working on linebackers and safeties. And obviously we had the speed with Deshaun and the physicality with Pierre. Uh, Jameson Crowder was awesome in the slot. Um, so we had weapons – from the inside out and Kirk was distributing the ball very well and our offensive line was playing better. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'd say for sure. Chris Thompson was playing and great on the third down role. So it was, it was good balance, good all around team from top to bottom on offense. At the end of that year, it got, you know, a little bit ugly. Um, it, the, the franchise tag path had started. Um, the team offered a deal that ultimately was $30 million short of what Minnesota um, would offer uh, nine months later. What was your feeling in that in that off season after 2016? You had the very disappointing July, you know January one game against the Giants for a second straight playoff uh, appearance. Um, what were you pushing for in that off season when it came to Kirk? Well, I wanted to get something for him if we were going to lose him. If he didn't want to come back, then we had to get something for him because the iron was hot. You know what I mean? We, we can't just let him go. And I can remember Dan saying, Jay, have you ever seen me lose a guy because of money? I said, this is different. You're going to lose this guy. We have to get something for him. Uh, I don't want to walk out and just get a conditional pick for him as a free agent. We, and we end up getting a conditional third round pick. Uh, and that's it. When we could have got a lot, lot more from a couple different teams. I know that uh, for a fact. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we made as an organization is not maximizing uh, what we could get for a franchise type quarterback. 
I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I was frustrated at the time because I was a big Cousins guy, but I knew the money was going to be well short. The offer that Bruce and Dan made, he, he, they did lose ultimately on money. And and then again, maybe at that point he wasn't coming back anyway. Um, but the offer was thirty million, almost forty million short of the Jets' offer. As it turns out, do you think if Bruce and Dan had gone to, to to Kirk and offered him the kind of money that his agent knew he would get at the end of that season, that he would have stayed or not? I don't think he was coming back. I think there was some damage done um, between Bruce and Dan and Kirk's agent and Kirk and Scott, uh, maybe even me. I don't even know. Uh, but I, I I just just got a feeling just with Kirk. Uh, that he was leaving for sure. And I think there was some bad blood between Kirk and maybe some of the players on Pierre and Deshaun. And uh, they gave him a hard time a lot in the huddle because both of them were very yeah. – wanted the ball a lot. You know what I mean? And I think he had uh, got grown tired of that as well. I think he needed a fresh start in his mind and, and was going to leave no matter what. I thought the 2017 team had a chance to be very good. You guys had drafted John Allen. You had improved a little bit defensively. Early in that year, Jay, you guys beat the Rams, and we didn't even know how good the Rams would ultimately end up be, uh, end up being that year because that was week two. You crushed the Raiders, and you had the Chiefs you know, in a really good game on a Monday night. If Josh Doxson catches that pass in the end zone, you probably win. Um, and then the injuries started. The offensive line was a mess. The D-line was a mess. The corners went down. Eventually, Chris Thompson went down. But I thought healthy that that 2017 team, team was a better defensive team and would have been a playoff team had you not been decimated did you feel the same way I agree we were decimated I can remember that's the year I think we went to Seattle right one yeah with five uh, four different offensive I don't linemen know who played on the offensive line other than Morgan Moses I think was the only one that played that we had so many guys in and out playing offensive line I thought that was actually one of Kirk's best games I mean he just got the heck kicked out of him he stood back there and uh had a big throw to quick on the right side right. and then a Big one to dot Josh Doxon. We ended up winning at Seattle. I couldn't believe it. Uh, but, yeah, I thought uh, a healthy team that year, uh, we could have contended in a big way. You know, that that Seattle game was amazing because I remember the, doing the pregame show and people were talking about basically offensive linemen had arrived on Saturday almost and they were introducing people, uh, introducing themselves to people in the locker room. And, you know, if I recall, the next week you had a shootout against Minnesota that was winnable and then you had the Saints in the Super uh, Superdome pretty much done. And Thompson broke his leg, and I thought that that injury was – and that comeback by New Orleans and the way that game ended pretty much ended the season. But I thought if you won it, you still had a shot. That game was crushing. What do you remember about that game? I remember that they scored 15 points in about two and a half minutes. Right. And, uh, our safety came in off the bench and didn't carry verticals, and they hit a seam ball to the tight end wide open. I'm like, God, oh, my, this is ridiculous. And I remember uh, we got the ball tied up. Before uh, overtime or in overtime, we had a chance, and Kirk, uh, instead of spiking the ball, uh, threw it out of bounds. Um, we had a run called. It was a cover zero, and I was yelling, hand signaled the bubble screen, which is the receiver blocking and the other receiver running a bubble screen, and uh, they did not get it, so he threw it out of bounds. We got intentional grounding, um, and that crushed us. So we ended up yeah. losing that. But, yeah, it was a tough game. That was, that was a good game, but uh, Drew Brees showed his magic, and we did not – Finish. Yeah, because you you were in field goal range, if I recall, before he messed that up. 
Um, right around the 40. Yeah, we were close. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, Crowder just caught a, a big play with, and ran out of bounds, I think, right around the 40. Yeah. And I thought if we ran the ball like a nice little one-back power play right in there and get, you know, we could clock it and kick the field goal and, and get the heck out of there with a huge win. Ended up bringing everybody to the line of scrimmage and Kirk threw it away, um, out, threw it out of bounds instead of spiking it. Um, yeah, it it was it, it, it was a mess and and the whole thing um, ended poorly and and Thompson broke his leg in that game and he had become such a weapon um, and then obviously the rest of the season went south um, and then you know Alex Smith is brought in uh, via trade in the off season uh, after uh, you know you guys were in need of a quarterback you know the bottom line I, I'm curious as to what you you thought I, I you know I've I've heard you speak about Alex Smith and his toughness and his leadership, and I think everybody really understands that more than ever after watching him this year. Um, Did you, though, want in the moment that trade, or was there another direction you would have preferred? I did not know anything about the trade or uh, its even possibility of happening until I got a call and uh, was told that we traded for Alex Smith. So (laughs) we didn't even talk about it. We didn't even grade him or anything. Uh, but I've always liked Alex, and Alex has been a solid quarterback, a great person, obviously. Um, but I would have rather got him for free, which I think we could have done. They would have had to release him. Um, I think Coach Reed did an outstanding job of uh, getting what he could get. He got a third-round pick and Kendall Fuller, which was quite amazing, and we picked up his salary. So uh, it was a win-win-win-win for Andy Reed and a LL for us other than getting Alex, which I think we could have possibly gotten for free. Who knows? But I was glad we got a quarterback. We obviously needed one and Alex with his experience. And I thought the way we were starting to build our defense, uh, he was a type of quarterback that would be good for us. A guy that could manage a game, not turn the ball over. We could play good defense and uh, win a lot of games. And that proved to be the case in the first nine games of that season. Why weren't you consulted on that? I have no idea. I mean, I'm not the owner. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but the, but it's a quarterback, right? And it's yeah, I, I never was, you know, I never was, you know, Robert was our quarterback, then I had to, you know, make that change because just you know everybody could see Kirk was better, and then uh, you know Alex Smith, I wasn't really involved in, and obviously the last one I wasn't involved in. Would you been Would you have been okay going into that season with Colt McCoy as your starter? Um, Colt was come, uh, yeah, we had Colt. Um, Possibly, yes. I think we still would have had to draft one or find another one to come in and compete um, and see where we were. And then, um, you know, if it didn't work out, then you're, I think the draft that year uh, was going to be pretty good. We had a chance to draft one the following year. So, um, but the ability to get an experienced guy like Alex, I think, in- instantly puts you back in the playoff contention. But I did like Colt. Uh, unfortunately, he just kept getting hurt. Um, was there a quarterback, you know, that off season when you weren't consulted on Alex or even prior to 2019, and we'll get to the Dwayne stuff here in a moment, was there a quarterback that you ever said, let's go get him, whether it was via the draft or trade or free agency? Well, via the draft, you can't really do that. Let's go get him unless you of course. trade up. Or, but was there somebody you, know, you remember so, liking agency, a lot? No, I can't really remember. You know, I, I uh, as far as – you know, selling your um, franchise out to get a quarterback. We There was never like a Matthew Stafford out there that we'd go get that I recall uh, or trade for. I think Alex was probably the one, uh, but we didn't really talk about Alex. But I can't remember off the top of my head if there was one. 
You know, that year after his injury, um, which, of course, until this, you know, Project 11 came out, most of us, you know, the fan base, a lot of people in the media had no idea, you know, that Alex was so close to A, dying, B, having his leg amputated. I mean, it was amazing. Did you know what he was going through in the moment, you know, Thanksgiving uh, period 2018? Yes. Yes. We knew that he had multiple surgeries and there was uh, some serious complications uh, going on. So we were very concerned. I was able to make it to the hospital a couple of times and uh, you know, his family was in there and uh, wife and mom and dad. I mean, it was, it was, it was brutal in there. So uh, yeah, we, we knew. True or false. And, and this is no reflection of obviously the time and the injury and the whole thing, but I remember going that you know the injury happened against Houston on the Sunday before your Thanksgiving day game against the Cowboys. You guys were six and four after the Houston game going to Dallas, and Colt McCoy was your starter. I felt intuitively that you were optimistic that the offense was going to have a chance to really take off a little bit. And maybe it's because you were still you know, feeling your way out with Alex, you know, it only had been nine games. I mean, Colt had been in your system for several years. Is that true or not? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel like the season was over by any stretch because Alex got hurt. We obviously were sick about uh, how he was recovering. We want him to get well, but uh, as far as if it was just a normal injury, um, I I felt good about Colt at the time. You know, the unfortunate thing about um, the game against Dallas was it was a Thursday game and we had to practice and just do all walkthroughs for a quarterback getting his first reps. You would have loved to have a normal week of practice where you had a normal Wednesday, normal Thursday, where you get some full speed reps, you know, being his first start. I think that hurt us a lot. And that was unfortunate uh, for him. Then they finally got the full week when we went to Philadelphia uh, on the Monday night and he broke his dang leg. It was, it was unbelievable with the broken legs and the quarterbacks, um, there for for a couple of years and really you know there were a lot of people that were very cynical about the injury situation and what you guys would have been without them or or, you know etc but there was the 2017 and 2018 seasons um an unprecedented number of injuries you guys I think had more games lost due to injury uh than any teams uh than any of the teams in the NFL I know it was the case in 2017 it might may have been the case in 2018 uh as well so we go to 2019 and this is a big year for you I'm I'm assuming you had a sense going into that year well let me ask you this did you think you were coming back in 2019 after the 2018 season was over I did think I was coming back in 2019. Uh, not 100% sure, but I felt pretty good about it. But I knew that it was a must-win year for me in 2019, especially when, you know, typically after a season in training camp or OTAs, the coaches with one year left on their contract, they get another year tacked on, and they wouldn't give my assistant coaches that other year. And that really right. ticked me off and set me in a in a place that I didn't, really come out of it really bothered me um uh so uh i knew it was a must win year force in in 19 for sure who did the football people including you want to draft in the first round of the 2019 draft when haskins (laughs) was picked (laughs) well we just picked up case keenum and obviously we had colt mccoy coming off his broken leg leg and we still had alex on the roster we knew alex wouldn't be ready uh for the next year uh pretty much unless barring a miracle which knowing alex he probably could have played but um with case keenum and 
Case proved that he could take a team to the playoffs. He just took the Vikings to the playoffs uh, not too long ago. Right. Um, and won a game in the playoffs. So um, we thought at that time we had other positions of need. There was Savage was there. At, uh, we needed a safety slash nickel guy could run. Bring some physicality to the team with uh, Landon Collins. I think that would have been a nice pair. Um, obviously, Sweat was still out there. We needed another pass rusher uh, after losing Preston Smith. Uh, so those were probably the top two guys that I can remember off the top of my head that I knew we were talking about. Now, by the way, speaking of that, you just reminded me. I remember hearing at the time you did not want Preston Smith to go anywhere. True or no. not? No. I, I, Preston was a guy that you know he always wanted more from, but this guy is six foot five, two hundred sixty-five, two hundred seventy pounds, and never missed a down. You know, after going through what I went through for the last couple of years with all the injuries, this guy was the one guy that never missed a play. You know, uh, so I, young guys that can rush a passer that are big, that can set the edge and play the run. I just don't like leave, letting out of our building. And uh, we drafted him. I thought we should have taken care of Preston. He should have been a Redskin for a long time, in my opinion. So we've heard all of the, you know, the, the high level that Dan wanted Haskins and Dan got Haskins. How did it actually play out that day or the days preceding it or that night? Like, are, are there, what's your memory of it? Are there any good stories uh, about how ultimately, you know, when you guys were on the clock, you selected Haskins? I knew we were taking Haskins if he was available uh, six months ago uh, before the draft. I Why? Just knew that, I just knew. Dan loved Dwayne Haskins. He went to the same school as his kid. Um, he talked about him all the time. Every time they were on TV, if we happened to be in a road game and it was Saturday and he saw me, hey, you love that kid. You probably don't like him because he's a good player. So, you know, he, he'd always throw a jab at me, but he loved Dwayne Haskins the best. I, I just knew it, uh, that if he was available, we were taking him. That, that was just a given. How upset was Kyle Smith and the scouts and um, when it actually did happen? Well, I think that there were some people uh, scout-wise that did like Dwayne. I mean, it wasn't like that Dwayne was a reject now. Dwayne had a lot of talent, sure. a lot of ability, and we did need a quarterback. You know, Case Keenan was on a one-year deal, and we weren't sure if Colt was going to come back. We did need a quarterback badly. Um, so, um, and really, out of that draft class, you had Dwayne, you had uh, obviously the kid from Duke that went to the Giants. Right. Um, you had Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Yep. Um, Stidham was in that draft. I did like Stidham later in the draft. I was hoping to get maybe get a guy later in the draft. You did like I didn't Stidham. Think she was even in that draft in the late round pick. <laughs> you, you, you like? Wait, who did you say about a late round pick? Uh, Stidham, Stidham was the second or third rounder. I thought we might be able to get. Kind of liked them a little bit to come in and maybe learn under a year with a Case or right. Colt, whoever won the job. The tough thing is, is when you draft a guy at fifteen, and then the owner tells you hey no rush just let them develop be patient with them well shit i gotta win we gotta win and then in order to see if this guy can play or actually start you have to have a competition and then case needs all the reps because it was his first year colt was coming off an injury he wanted an opportunity to start so he needed reps and then we had a third one a rookie who needed the reps it was impossible for us to give uh these guys the reps that they needed to be a starter in the nfl it was not fair to either one of the three and definitely not fair to us as coaches, where if we would have waited and drafted a guy in the second or third or fourth round, we could have slowly developed him, given him a few reps, understand he would have been a second or third team quarterback for a year, let these guys play, and then see where we're at after a couple weeks or a couple months of the season and get this guy ready. But but to try to get three-guy, three-way competition, that's impossible in pro football, in my opinion. Did you like Drew Locke? I like Drew a little bit, yeah. I, I didn't like him at 15, no. 
Did you like Josh Rosen as a potential trade in that offseason? Oh, no, no. Okay. Did did anybody in the organization like Josh Rosen? Do you remember? It was brought up, I remember. Um, but I think we would have had to give it up. We would have had to give up uh, a lot to get him. So, I, yeah, no, I, I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out, and I wasn't a, a fan of making a trade to get him. You know, I'm curious, too, uh, about that year, and you described it well, but it was really um, – it was a difficult situation because you knew you had to win, and at the same time the owner wanted you to take it slowly with Dwayne Haskins. Is, is is there any thought in your mind that if you had just gone into that year and started Dwayne all 16 games and developed him and developed a relationship with Dwayne and there had been some improvement during the course of the year that you could have survived and continued to be his coach? Yeah, I would have, I would have not minded that at all. Dwayne wasn't ready, and he never got himself to be ready. He, I mean, you got to get yourself ready, and uh, he just – had a long way to go. I mean, he showed talent and practice without a doubt, but he also showed that he had a long, long way to go. And it was evident. I think all the players saw it, and they saw it after I left, that he wasn't ready and he wasn't uh, going to be ready for a while. It, it, there's no doubt that he has talent. There's no doubt about it, and I'm not trying to put down Dwayne Haskins at all, but there's also uh, evidence on the practice field in front of players and coaches that he has to, he has to do a lot better as far as preparation, as far as – uh, uh, consistency at that position. Yeah, going back to as we talked about, you know, coaches and players know, and it's important to play the best guys. Um, was there ever? What was the uh, netted out on Dwayne? Why? Why didn't it work with you? And you've sort of explained that. Why didn't it work this year with Ron and Scott Turner? Um, overall, what's his biggest challenges? What are the issues? <laughs> Consistency, you know, I think uh, when you see him throw the football, there will be times you say, wow, this is the quarterback that we want for our franchise. Uh, so he's got that going for him. And then over the course of a practice session, you'll say, wow, who threw that? Where did that ball come from? It would be 20 yards over the guy's head or uh, 10 yards in the dirt. I mean, just some weird, uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain inconsistencies in his game with his mechanics and all that stuff. Uh, some wow throws that he can make that just turns everybody head and high five it and then to turn around and, and miss a throw to a check down and throw it in the dirt four yards behind the guy. It, it's just weird. Uh, I think he just got to continue to work on his mechanics, uh, his approach to the game um, and his consistency. And he's got a chance because he does have the arm that you're looking for. What about the things we've heard like maturity, lack of it? Well, I think that it's got to hit him. It's got to hit him like a lightning bolt as far as what he has to do uh, to be a quarterback in the National Football League. You know, in college, he got away with it. It wasn't a very complicated offense they ran. I mean, they did some good professional pro concepts uh, with Coach Day over there. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, he had 800 yards passing on jet sweeps to Paris Campbell, for gosh sakes. Uh, you know, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, weren't able to get, we weren't able to get that production here. Um but there's a lot to it as far as studying, um, getting yourself ready and understanding each opponent is going to give you something different from a schematic standpoint, uh, from a blitz standpoint, protection, coverage. Uh, and it, it's never ending. Uh, the study, the work that you have to do at that position, once that hits him, uh, he's got a chance to do it. Because he's, he's not a dumb kid at all. He's a smart kid. Now. Right. And he can handle information. Um, he's got talent. 
He's got to put it all together. Hopefully he does that. You know, he's I'm got just, a bright future if he does. I'm just curious because I'm just picturing some of those moments where Dan's like, did you see Ohio State? Did you see him play Northwestern? Did you see him play Purdue? Did you see how many touchdowns he threw? Did you ever just say – Actually, Purdue, he was awful. Okay, well, watch the Purdue game. Well, the Michigan State game, he was awful too. I remember – was awful, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, very good Michigan State. Uh, and I, and I, but did you ever say to him, Dan, they've got more talent than anybody they're playing and half the balls are thrown at the line of scrimmage? Well, yeah, but there would be a throw or two in the course of a game where it'd be like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go back and you just watch every play and every game that he played in, which is only one year, which also was a concern. Right. Um, you know, there's there are some inconsistencies. I can remember the tape that I made that, that you have to be concerned about if you drafted him and expect him to play right away. What was that tape? Well, I had the wow throws, but I also had the wow throws the other way. Like, what? where are you throwing this ball, and how did you miss this guy by this much? You know what I mean? So it was evident on tape, and it was evident when we got him. Um, but, you know, it's, but, it's just crazy. But nobody listened to you? No, nobody listens to me ever. <laughs> so, um, I'm and, that, no, and I'm not saying that, you know, I, like I said before, I think he was a good prospect, and I think if we would have got him in the second round, possibly the third round, and I know people say there's no way he would have lasted, I think there might have been a chance that he lasted until the second or third round. Uh, if Miami didn't take him, who needed a quarterback? And obviously the Giants already took their quarterback. There weren't a lot of teams at that time that were going to take a quarterback in the first two rounds. Um, so I thought we had a, if we would have got him in the second or third round and, and said, hey, Case is our starter, um, and gone with him and let Dwayne – develop as a third uh then i would have been fine with that but to throw him in there and um in the starting rotation and training camp uh was a tough deal for everybody and not really fair to Dwayne, not fair to myself or not fair to the team not fair to case you know it's funny you know um and i think you recall this cooley would do film breakdowns of the games and grade all the players and and then he would do the same thing leading into free agency in the draft and you know of course he's got all the answers and i've got i've got all the answers sitting there you know we 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 convince each other that we've got all the right answers but i remember him saying you can't draft this guy at at you know at this spot he's he he'll be available in the second or, or third round and he's nowhere near um, ready um, for this, and yet no one was ever able to convince the owner because it sounds to me like what you're saying is, yes, people saw the talent, and as a second- or third-round guy, fine, but no one saw him as a first-round talent, and yet no one was able to convince the owner otherwise. Why not? Well, I think the hype, if you turn on the television and you see any of these pre-draft shows with these experts uh, they're saying that he's the best quarterback in the draft by far. So I think that uh, the hype leading up to the draft on Dwayne was pretty high, pretty significant. But who cares but, about those people? Well, obviously we did. <laughs> well, Dan did. <laughs> Why weren't you but able Dan, to convince I mean, him, Dan? These people are, are yucks. They don't know. We're, 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 we're sitting here evaluating the taping. We're telling you he's not going to get drafted. You know, you can't draft him this high. Did anybody yeah. was anybody ever, uh, you know, willing to go right to him and be direct and say you are wrong, and we can get him maybe in the second or third round? The, yeah, that was not going to happen. If you recall that after the draft, we had the best draft grade I think of anybody because we drafted Wayne and <laughs> trade up the sweat. So that just shows you how 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 the, how that works. And 
And who knows? You know, I mean, five years from now, we could be talking about this, and Dan could be right. Dwayne could be a starting Pro Bowl-type quarterback. You never know. So, uh, But at the time, we did not need Dwayne at that position in the draft. But we did take him, and, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for anybody. All right, I've got more uh, for Jay Gruden, who has been very generous with his time, and it's much appreciated. Uh, And we'll get to the rest of it right after this word from one of our sponsors. All right, a little bit more with Jay Gruden here on this Saturday morning, Um, and I really appreciate Jay the time. Um, Your favorite game coaching here was which game? Oh, gosh. Uh, my favorite game coaching. You said the Seattle game was like a memorable game for you. What, what was your favorite? <laughs> that was a shocker, right? That was a shocker. That one and the one when we went to Jacksonville with Josh Johnson. We had to teach a snap count on Thursday, so we go down and play a game. We ended up winning that one. That was pretty Can cool. I tell you, I thought that, that I thought the Jacksonville and Tennessee games at the end of that season, considering what you had, and I said this at the time, I thought they were among the best coaching job games that you had while you were here. You had no business. I thought slow, too. I thought, really, I was really proud of those games. And I thought I should get a shoe sent up to Canton after winning a couple of those games with what we had to go through. But, uh, I mean, so many injuries. I mean, you're talking about taking a Corvette out on the road that you just bought without tires or an engine or a steering wheel. I mean, we didn't have any of our hired guns. I mean, crazy. Well, you had a chance to beat Tennessee. Would have kept you in the playoff hunt, actually. You had a chance to beat Tennessee. I mean, we saw the corner cat and the left. I mean, I can't believe it. Josh threw the pick. Oh yeah, oh, I know God. he played. You you had him ready to play. I mean, by the way, what took you so long to go to? You know, why Sanchez? Why even try? Why even trot him out there? Whose idea was that? Well, the first play he handed the ball off. Adrian Peterson, ninety nine <laughs> yards. yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a good start. I think uh, Sanchez had a little bit more experience as far as in our system, as far as uh, not in our system, but in in the system as far as calling plays and all that stuff. And he was more ready to play than Josh. We just got, I mean, we just got both of them really. So really it was a flip of the coin. I, I should have gone Josh. I, I lost out on that one. I kind of let uh, everybody vote. I kind of figured that really it didn't matter. We were probably going to lose anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> we're teaching the snap count in a two minute drill on a Friday before we played because our guys have never done it. Uh, that's a little difficult. Um, but Sanchez did. I mean, Sanchez did go to the playoffs. Now he did win a lot of games yeah, with the New York Jets. He did. So, uh, and I did like Mark. He's a good guy. He's smart. Um, just when he got in there, it was uh, it was tough. We needed somebody that could run around because the line wasn't very good. You know, we were banged up on the offensive line, so I needed a more athletic quarterback to get us out of trouble. So, is that Jacksonville game your your favorite game coaching here? No, I'd say probably the most favorite game would be. Uh, even though we had a lot of uh, a lot of issues at halftime with Kirk taking a knee, probably at Philadelphia when we clinched the division. Yeah, right. You guys were unstoppable offensively that night. And yeah, he yeah. did. He 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 did. Uh, th- that's that's true. He had that sort of brain fart at the end of of that first half, and then you know the New Orleans. That wasn't game. his fault. Now that was Pierre and Deshaun's fault. So Kirk took a lot of heat for that, but that was all on. I can finally say that was Pierre and Deshaun. Uh, they were two peas in a pod. Now it was—it's just that's for a whole nother podcast. That whole—that <laughs> whole series of events. Okay, unbelievable. If I told you this thing, but well, what? Ha- yeah. Tell us real quickly what happened Gilman on that situation. Around. What? We had six seconds to go in the half. Right. 
right? Um, so we had time for just a back shoulder fade, uh, incomplete or incomplete, and I kicked the field goal. So if we kick the field goal, we're going to have one second on the clock. They must still have to kick off. And you squib it, and who knows what's going to happen. So I want to run the thing down and, and take a shot at a touchdown. What the heck? Right. right? But, well, earlier in the drive, uh, Pierre hated back shoulder fades. He hated them. He said, if you call a fade, I'm running a fade, and the ball should be 42 yards over my outside shoulder. If that's the way Peyton Manning threw it, that's the way I want it. Okay, so <laughs> Kirk, earlier in the game, we called a go ball, and Kirk tried to back shoulder him, and Pierre never looked for it, and it was incomplete, horribly out of bounds. So at the end of the half, they called all go uh, and throw tell, you know, X Venus. We called it Venus, back shoulder fade. Pierre, I'm not running it. He hates him. I'm not going to run it. So he stood there like three yards from the tackle uh, in a stance like he's not going to run it. And then Deshaun's standing there like he just kicked the field goal. And then Kirk just panicked. He had nothing to do, so he just took a knee. And that was the end of the half. So he Crazy. T- he's- I've never seen a receiver actually turn down an opportunity to score a touchdown, which was what happened on that play. Unbelievable. How well, did Kirk took a lot of heat for that. I took a lot of heat for that. But really, Pierre Deshaun. If one of them just would have run a route, we could at least throw it in the ground and get the field goal. Well, Kirk, you know, it, first of all, this is a phenomenal story. I don't think anybody's ever heard it. Kirk still could have taken it and sailed it over, you know, Deshaun's head out of bounds, so you could have kicked the field goal there, rather than, you know, essentially, you know, knee, yeah, they still knee. could have been an intentional grounding as well. Very True, similar would happen against Which, New the New Orleans. Yeah. So, what did you say to Deshaun? Or I'm uh, to Pierre. Oh, Oh, we had that. That's we had a fun time in the locker room at halftime on that one. So, <laughs> well, it's it a good fun. thing it the game went thing. well. I, I always, I always told people that at that halftime, I earned my entire Redskin or Washington football team salary um, in one halftime, trying to get everybody calmed down and getting everybody ready for the second half. But after winning that game at Philadelphia and, and clinching the division, despite the chaotic halftime that we had, um, was quite memorable what was the so you know you're you're committing right now to me that we're going to do a podcast on Deshaun and Pierre at another time at a later date but um what what were the big issues with him and 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 ultimately how weren't you know you're 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 the head coach they're extraordinarily talented you guys were a good offense in 2015 you came back and man with Jordan Reed healthy i mean it was dynamic one of my favorite games unfortunately was a loss on thanksgiving day to the cowboys but my god you guys were unstoppable dustin missed a couple field goals again but whatever um and the green bay game when you th- you know th- hung 40 on them and you guys were rolling that year. What were their problems? They were they were getting huge production. I, I don't know. I love them both. Don't get me wrong. I love Deshaun. Deshaun's personality. He and I, I, I still text him every now and then. I, I, I'm a big fan of Deshaun. problem with Deshaun is it's hard to uh, manage him as far as when you want to run the ball, he is going to get out of the way. So we can't run to him if, if he has to block the safety the safety's not going to get blocked. He's 150 pounds. <laughs> it's not his fault. Yeah. You know, I can remember one time in practice, we put him in motion and uh, he was going to block the safety. And after the play and, and the walkthrough, he came to me, he goes, Hey, Gru, that's not our game plan, is it? I said, No, we'll put Ryan Grant in for that one. Don't worry. It was, it was pretty funny. Uh, so that was an issue with Deshaun, but I love him as a player. His big playability, his ability to take the top off. Kirk threw a great deep ball, too, like the post routes, the all that. I uh, was very good at it. And, Desha- and Pierre was an unbelievable competitor. I've never seen anybody practice as hard as Pierre on a consistent basis, day in and day out. But Pierre is really stubborn. I mean, really stubborn about what he wanted. 
where he wanted to line up. You know, if I wanted to motion Pierre over and block the safety because Deshaun, you know, he was too little, Pierre didn't like that. He didn't want to do that. He should, Deshaun should have to do that. That's his job. You know what I mean? So we had issues there. There were some jealousy issues, I think, between the two of them a little bit. Uh, but from a talent and from uh, coaching them, I loved it. I loved having them both on the field, both on the team. But I think when they got in the huddle, I don't know what happened if they gave Kirk a hard time and made Kirk uncomfortable or throw me the ball, throw me the ball. You know, it could have been like that. But there wasn't really the true, I don't know, camaraderie, I would say, between the three of them. Right. In my opinion. Um, but we were very good. You know, when, when Pierre and Deshaun were on the field with Jordan Reed and Jameson Crowder and Chris Thompson, uh, as far as throwing the football, you're going to be pretty good. And we ended up losing all of them. You know, we lost Crowder to free agency, Crowder to an injury. We lost, obviously, Pierre to free agency, Deshaun to free agency, and Jordan Reed to injury, and then uh, Chris Thompson to injury. So you're taking your whole bulk of your success from a route standpoint and trade them all in. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really, um, interesting, um, stuff in terms of the relationships, uh, on that team offensively. What was your most gut wrenching loss? The Giants. Yeah. Giants had nothing to play for. We, we went and we're in and, uh, we, for whatever reason, didn't play good. And the Giants, you know, coach Matt and those guys came ready to play. And I can remember at the end of the game, we got the ball and they played a version of a two man and, and it was first down. We're right around midfield and. Kirk stepped up and threw it right to Rogers Camardi. He could have run for about 20, I think. But uh, that was a tough one. I That, that was a tough loss because I still think we had a chance to do some damage in the playoffs. We were playing pretty good, and uh, that loss hurt. Uh, that was painful. The Giants came out, you know, vanilla offensively. Um, they ran the ball. Kirk didn't have a good game. Kirk gets blamed solely for that loss by the fan base and a lot of media members. I, I, I did, he did not play well, and that was a terrible throw there at the end. But the, you, you guys got run on uh, to the tune of like 140 yards in the first half and barely had the ball um, in the first half, if I recall, in that game. But that yeah. was crushing because, you know, Jay, it's weird to, to say this. You lasted, you've lasted longer than any coach Dan's ever had, and you put back-to-back winning seasons together. It was the first time it had happened in 20 years, basically, um, with this organization, with 9-7 and seven the playoff season and then 8-7-1, and it should have been 9-6-1 and one in, in, in the playoffs. Um, I can see why that uh, would be the most gut-wrenching of your losses. A um, couple of names real quickly. Give me, give me a reaction. Marvin Lewis. Oh, uh, I love Marvin. Worked for him for three years and um, knows football, uh, knows how to run an organization, knows how to run a team. Um, a ton of respect for him as a as a coach and a person. What about the defensive coordinator under those teams and the the head coach in Minnesota? What do you think about Mike Zimmer? Oh, he's a great competitor. You know, we were um, had some great days of practice as far as competition and uh, <laughs> training camp. That's for sure. We were both very hard headed, very competitive. Uh, but I think uh, he's an excellent football coach. Josh Doxson. Man, Josh Doxson, that's – I don't know. I, I just never felt like I, – I still feel like there was talent enough to take him where we took him. But for whatever reason, with his Achilles, with his heel, with his foot, whatever the injury that he had, it just never panned out. And that's probably one of the most disappointing uh, – you know, uh, players that we've ever, I, I just feel like we didn't get his potential out of him 
or he didn't get the most potential out of himself, one or the other. Did you, I mean, I remember, um, you know, your favorite line, and we used to use this as a drop on the show because it was funny the way you delivered it. In talking about two first-round picks, you said, you know, we got a guard and we got Josh. Um, were, do, you, do, you, do you remember? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Um, what, what What did you mean by that? Were you frustrated with the drafts? Uh, a little bit, you know. I, I, you want to maximize, especially when you have the top, you know, these top picks. You maximize your first rounders, you know. And, and uh, love Brandon. Jeez, Brandon. He's been hurt. He got hurt for us a lot too. But Brandon was a good pick for us. We needed offensive line help, but. I think Scott thought he would beat out Morgan Moses at right tackle, and, and we found after uh, one day of rookie um, minicamp that we had to move him to guard because he couldn't play outside. So, But he's been a great pick for us. He's going to be a pro bowl. He's a pro bowl guard, all pro guard, and he's going to pay a lot of money. So I think Brandon was a good pick. Josh, you know, at that time we could have taken John Reed, I think the defense lineman from Alabama, or uh, a couple other options, um, but we needed a receiver. Because I think we had both, we we knew that Deshaun and Pierre were not going to be around very long, and um, ended up taking Josh. Didn't work out. Um, yeah, I think the pick, if I recall, if Ryan Kelly, the center, had been there, um, uh, uh, McLuhan's told me this before, Scott's told me this before, if, if Kelly, the center from Bama, had been there t- uh, a few spots later, that was going to be the pick. Is that your memory? Oh, yeah. We were all in on Ryan Kelly, that's for sure. And I think when he got taken, there was a little bit of a, mad panic going on what what now (laughs) (laughs) so you you really that way you thought he would be there i i I had a hunch that he may not be there because he was an excellent center um and and good offensive linemen good centers are hard to find and and when there's not a lot of them in the draft then they'll some of them will get plucked higher than where they're anticipated going so if there's like nine centers in a draft, then sure, he probably would have fallen to us. But there was not a lot of centers in that draft. And if you needed one, you better get them now. And the Colts needed one, and they took them. You know, it, uh, it just for whatever reason, I was just reminded. McLuhan told me once, he said, Jay Gruden, out of all the coaches I've ever worked with, is the best evaluator of talent of any of the head coaches I've worked with. Um, do you think that's a strength of yours? I think it is the strength. My biggest strength, actually, is knowing personnel. And unfortunately, I didn't have the final say in who I could keep on a roster and who we could sign and who we could draft. You know, I would have liked to have that opportunity that Coach Rivera has right now because um, I worked at it. I watched everybody. I, I did the draft, and I would not just come in and I would not make a comment on a guy just because I saw him on ESPN Highlight. I'd have to watch the film, and I did watch a ton of film and study these guys and figure out how they would fit on our football team. And um, I felt like I took a lot of pride in that too. What, was there a guy that you ultimately got that was your guy that you're most proud of? Oh, I've got a lot of them. My guy, Midas, probably number yeah. one. Yeah. You know, he wasn't even on our draft board. Cole Holcomb, uh, number two, he wasn't even on our draft board. We had him as a free agent, maybe bring him in for a rookie free agent tryout camp. I said, are you guys out of your mind? <laughs> I got him all the way up to the fifth. Those are probably the top two that I can recall, but. You know, I've also made some mistakes, and I'm not perfect. There's a guy I've always been curious about where it didn't work out. Not that this was necessarily one of your guys, but what happened with DJ Swearinger here between you and him? Well, you know, obviously DJ has come out publicly on Twitter or whatever and, and hammered me quite a bit. Um, the big thing is, is when you're talking to your team, you try to say anything that we do here stays in-house. You know, we're not going to publicly criticize – you know, basically, I learned from 
you know, what kind of damage Robert Griffin thing kind of did to us and my relationship with Robert at that time. And it's no good for anybody, you know, when the media can turn it around however they want. So let's not talk about our team or our franchise, uh, our players, our teammates or other team members uh, to the media. Let's just keep it in house. You know, it's what teams do, great players do. And he just kept going to the media and uh, talking about how we had a bad practice on Friday and, you know this or we should have called zone defense we called man and oh god so it just got to be exhausting so we had to we had to let him go he was a good player though wasn't he dj's a good player yeah he, you know what he's uh he's not really rangy enough to be a uh safety uh middle field safety or right uh and he's really not physical enough to be a box safety he's kind of in between both of them but he does have merit he can cover and, and uh he's not a bad player no but you know he got cut after we let him go uh by arizona i think and then New Orleans, he's been in and out of the lineup. I think he was inactive for most of the year. You know, by the way, it just reminded me, you know, Bill Callahan took some veiled shots at you after you got fired um, in, you know, last year. You know, he basically implied, you know, I'm I'm, I'm speaking without quotes here because I don't have them in front of me, but I'm paraphrasing. He basically implied that they're, you know, we're going to have real practices and real accountability now that he was in charge. What did you make of that? Yeah, that bothered me a little bit. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, Bill is, uh, is a unique guy. He's one of the only – he's probably the only staff member that I didn't hire as far as on our coaching staff. You know, Bruce hired him uh, from Dallas. Um, so I think there was a little bit of uh, disconnect between myself and him uh, throughout the years. And I think once I finally got let go, he could take a few jabs at me, which is fine. I mean, it's the way it is, I guess. You know, um, you, you you lasted six years. Dan hasn't had one coach that he's hired since he purchased the team. He hasn't had one of those coaches leave with a winning record. Marty Schottenheimer, the late Marty Schottenheimer, was 8-8, eight and eight, got fired after one year. Spurrier, Gibbs, Zorn, Shanahan, and you, Jay, Gro- Jay Gruden. One total playoff win during his ownership tenure of the last 20 years. Um, he had one in the first year, but he didn't hire uh, Norv Turner. Why, in your opinion, hasn't it worked here for anybody under Dan? Well, quarterback. Number one, I've made some big mistakes at that position. And uh, and you don't have a quarterback in this league, a guy that you can c- c- carry your franchise, you're not going to win. You're going to go through coach after coach after coach, and it's evident amongst the other 32 teams. The teams that are doing well and the coaches that have stayed for a long time have had great quarterbacks. You know, Pete Carroll with Russell Wilson, Mike Tomlin with Ben Roethlisberger, obviously Belichick with Brady. Not to say these guys aren't great coaches, but you got to have somebody that can – play that position at a very, very high level. And Andy Reid will never leave with Patrick Mahomes. Um, we just, they have made mistakes that, you know, Patrick Ramsey, the, you know, the you know, time after time, after time, after time, the quarterback position has been unstable, letting Kirk Cousins out of the building, drafting Robert, uh, whatever the case may be, Alex Smith getting hurt. You know, I think that was our best chance was that year we were six and three in a game and a half lead in a division. Uh, we're fairly healthy. And uh, then the quarterback position just got, decapitated you know I, I I know that season was six and three but to me in watching as a fan your offense wasn't as dynamic was it on the verge of becoming that or was or, or was your offense not the best fit for Alex I mean you didn't have a say any offense is going to be dynamic with Alex you know Alex is more of a game manager you know you call some deep shot plays that might be there uh he'll probably err on the side of checking it down um, where more, you know, 
and that's the way he's always been. I think that's why San Francisco opted to go with Kaepernick, and I think that's why, obviously, the Chiefs opted to draft uh, another quarterback, not because they don't like Alex. Alex is a great quarterback, but uh, there are times where he can be uh, conservative um, to a fault. But as far as what we needed at that time, I thought the way we were playing defense, and I thought Alex was a great fit. We could win a lot of games. You can win a lot of games with Alex, a lot more than you can with a guy who throws interceptions and turns the ball over, that's for sure. And that's the one thing Alex has always been great at with his in his career is, is protecting the football, being smart with the football. And there's a lot to be said about uh, that being a great quality in a quarterback. What do you think of the situation now with Ron Rivera uh, in charge, having more control at least, you know, for now? I mean, you know, Marty apparently had control. Joe apparently – I mean, Joe's a different, you know, ball game. Mike apparently had control um, and it didn't work out. What do you make of the situation in Washington right now and what do you think their future is? Well, I think it's great to have the, you know, uh, head coach in control as long as he can handle it. If he's going to work at it and do it, uh, for a couple of reasons, you know, I think people bash you as far as your culture. It's a bad culture around here. Where if, if the coach can't control who's on the team, how is he going to control the culture? You know, you have a couple of bad apples. Hey, let's get rid of this guy. No, we can't get rid of him. He's on a second year, but you know, we, he's a good player. It'll you know, hurt us in the media. Who gives a crap? We got to get rid of some of these bad players. But if you have control as a coach to control uh, the guys who come in and out of your building. I mean, uh, you got a lot better chance, but still they're going to have to dress the quarterback spot. Right. And uh, until they do that um, and get the guy that they really think can lead them, um, then they'll still continue to struggle. But defensively, they're in a great spot. They have great defensive line, um, pretty good secondary. So that can carry them a long ways. Um, but still, they have to dress the quarterback spot. What do you, how do you think they'll address it? They just extended Taylor Heineke. There are fans, and I take calls from them every day, that actually believe that he's the answer after a game and, and a quarter, five quarters of play. What do you think they should do at quarterback? Well, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have played good for a quarter and a half. Yeah. Or a half you know, but as far as playing 16 games, two years, three years, eight years, that's obviously uh, – I can't comment on that because I've never seen a guy play in practice. You know, Who knows? Maybe he is the answer. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have to draft one or trade for one or, or, or maybe it's Alex for another year um, and then see where this Heineke guy's at, let him compete. But I don't know. But I know that that position has to be stable uh, and has to be addressed. They made a run at Stafford. Um, do you, were you, are you a Stafford fan? Oh, yeah. I love Stafford. Yeah. He's a great player. Apparently they they expressed interest in Derek Carr, who plays for your brother. Um, do you like Derek Carr? Yeah, I love Derek. He had a great year. But obviously he's not available. Um, but, yeah, he had a great year. Would you, in this situation in Houston, how would you deal with Deshaun Watson? I mean, he's an elite quarterback, right? Yeah, that's a tough one. He's under contract. You know, the difference between he and Kirk is we always had to uh, tag Kirk where Deshaun's already under contract, so it's a unique situation. They, I think they got to talk it through and keep him. Um, he's such a good player and such a dynamic player that, Okay, what's plan B? If let's say we trade Deshaun Watson, we get a couple draft picks, great, we get some number ones, but who's going to play quarterback for us? I mean, you can't just leave that position on your team vacant and expect to let's address it in the draft in the late first round and give the keys to our franchise to a kid right out of Virginia Tech or whatever. Uh, It's very difficult to do. I mean, Deshaun's an established quarterback, a great quarterback. He can escape. He can throw on the run. Um, he can make plays. Um, they got to figure out in-house how to make him happy and keep him there, in my opinion, or get something extraordinary for him, a known commodity.
Jay, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in your next step. Um, if it's a broadcasting gig, that would be great. By the way, which would you prefer? Would you want to be a studio guy or would you like to call games as an analyst? I'd rather be the game analyst, uh, but I could do, uh, you know, I could try the studio. I'd like to do one of them. I almost want to be involved. You know, I don't think coaching uh, is going to happen this year. I think most of the stabs are full. Right. Um, tried to. Uh, my name in the hat, a few spots didn't work out. Um, but I do want to stay involved in, in football somehow. And being a game analyst uh, would be more fun for me, I think, or more uh, to my liking. But I could do the in-studio stuff. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. I actually really intuitively think you would be uh, great um, and entertaining. You've got the quick sense of humor to do it. You're likable. You obviously know the game. Um, so I wish you the best of luck with, with that. And hopefully you get a gig and, you know, we can have you on again, um, you know, in the future. But thanks. Um, really appreciate right, the time, Jay. No worries. Thank you. It's good to catch up. Take care. All right, man. See you. All right, that was great, uh, and I really appreciate Jay Gruden spending that much time with us here on Saturday morning. Uh, stay safe today. Back on Monday with Cooley. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.